Welcome to the final episode of ESTML 2010 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong and joining me as always is the Canadian who wears his heart in his tongue, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Our longest season ever is finally over. And now it's not actually our longest season ever, but it does feel like it. That's probably Amazing Race 3, to be honest. Masonry Street recordings, yeah, we had some long gaps there. You guys were recording one of the earlier seasons of Hunted, right? Didn't that take forever? Yeah, Hunted Series 1 took for six episodes. I think it was about nine or ten weeks, because people kept falling asleep. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, so, um, so actually this one doesn't seem too bad, because I think we started this in April? Maybe March? And it's now July? Yeah, and it's 10 episodes, so I think we did better. And then uh, well, I, the, the delay wasn't intentional, that's for sure. It, uh, the circumstances were different than Michelle or Ant falling asleep. <laughs> Events overtook us with this season, I think is the best way to describe it. Yeah, then they also weren't in our meet- recording podcasts from Thailand or Georgia or Armenia or Israel while this was going on. No, very true. This is an incredibly international podcast season. So, Kim is the mole. Yeah, yeah, we can actually say it now. <laughs> even though we last week. <laughs> yeah, even though last week we did pretty much directly say that. I think we actually did say that directly that Kim was the mole. Yeah, but yeah, we can actually say it now officially. Kim is the mole, and this is a very unusual, unusually edited final three episode. Very different from what we would see today. Yeah, normally we do do the finale and the reunion together when we're doing Historians because we have very little to say about the reunion. In this case, I don't think we could have done the finale without doing the reunion at the same time because they are very much intertwined. Well, because there about 10 minutes of footage from the reunion is in the final three episode, which I can't recall a time that's ever happened before. <laughs> no, and also the reunion was recorded a few weeks into the season. So everyone there was actually spoiled on who the final three were because literally they had only seen a few episodes at this point. My question is, did they watch the final five and the final four episode and then they all got together for the final three episode all in the same day? Or because there was that one scene where Eric revealed that Sana won the final four exemption and they were all surprised. So did they just go into it blind, not even really seeing? But then they were watching footage from the finale episode. They must have just been shown all the episodes well in advance then. Yeah, because traditionally the reunion episode, if it was pre-recorded as it was at this time in Vidim, is pre-recorded sometime between the finale and the reunion airing. It's usually in that week somewhere. Whereas this one was filmed in February 2010, and the episode aired on March 18th. So I presume this was probably filmed during the Winter Olympics gap, which is three weeks in that case. Right, and maybe Peter Yan or whoever else in the production crew that's head of production just couldn't film this reunion show after the final three episode had aired or just prior to the final three episode airing on TV? It feels very intentional with the finale, though. That's the thing. With the cutaways to the reunion, it feels incredibly intentional that they always wanted to include bits of the reunion in the finale and then on top of that it had to have been before Aryan's elimination because the initial segments of everyone discussing who the mole is just involves the first 
just the first five people that we're eliminating because Arian and Eric aren't even shown until they're all in the room together. And then Fritz comes in after that. Yeah, it's definitely recorded before Arian got executed because that was the first episode back after the Winter Olympics, which is March. Oh, that so it all lines up then. So they definitely yeah. did record this during the gap. Okay. Arian's elimination aired on the 4th of March, I think it was. Yeah, so that's why him and Eric came in after all of the other eliminated players. And then they would have yeah. seen Fritz being crowned the winner, and then the remaining two came in together, uh, Sana and Kim. Yeah, they definitely watched the non-reunion bits of the finale before Fritz walked in, because someone greeted him as their winner. Yeah, because they weren't surprised when he sh- when he showed the- off the wad of bills. <laughs> no, unless they were told that the winner was just about to walk through or something. Yeah, that's the only other thing. But they didn't they didn't act super shocked. Granted, nearly every single one of them predicted that Fritz was winning this season. Yeah, at this point, nobody suspected Fritz because they all realized that they were just complete dicks to him. It's the redemption of Fritz Sissing this episode. And if you thought last episode was out of order, not only is a Flavory 9 showing a lot of scenes from the reunion within the final three episode, but we also get a ton of flashbacks to the tasks throughout the season. The first challenge is based all off of flashbacks. And then we get flashbacks throughout the episode to an interrogation they did during the final three round. So I guess Eric was eliminated and then all three of them took turns interrogating each other one-on-one and that was spread throughout the episode too so this is perhaps the least linear episode of vidum ever yeah and and also they've literally just done this in episode eight with the peter yan interrogating people yeah what the the one-on-one interrogations weren't necessary you either have to drop this or you drop the peter yan interrogating everybody task i don't think having both of those in back-to-back episodes was very exciting or the best planning possible to end the season no and the other annoying thing is that that one-on-one interrogation thing was directly copied by one of the worst seasons of mole worldwide which is mole australia six in their final three round they also did everyone interrogating each other but with the added fun of a lie detector oh which spoilers the mole knew how to cheat a lie detector so it didn't matter anyway (laughs) so i guess try to bring some sort of linearity that's not a word (laughs) it's it could be a word it's a new logan saunders coined word linearity (laughs) so to bring some sort of linearity to this to this episode san and fritz talk about eric's exit and they talk about him like he's dead it reminds me of when David and Mary, when they're on Amazing Race All-Stars, and they say, oh, this time we don't have the Chobros with us, and it's all black and white, and you think, what, did the Chobros get into a car accident? And that's what they thats what they talk about. They talk about Eric like he's deceased. And then Sana says, oh, I think, uh, I think Eric regrets sharing all of his information with Fritz. And that's a question that comes up a lot at the reunion show, too. In fact, Peter Yen probably asks it, three four five times just himself saying eric do you regret sharing that info with fritz fritz did eric sharing that info with you when they when you the game so they want to push this as the main decisive factor as to who won rather than you know sana having a yoker and not giving it to eric the answer is probably yes i think to the question was fritz and eric 
sharing information the thing that made for its win? I think the answer is probably yes. Peter Yan's only pushing that for a specific reason. I think it's because, I don't know if it's due to limited episode time, and of course, the fact that they show them sharing all that information that exposes Kim as the mole early on to the viewers. So maybe that's why Peter Yan really pushed in the reunion, saying, okay, we want the audience to understand the storyline, is that Eric shouldn't have shared that information with Fritz, because otherwise Eric would have easily won the game. Yeah, although what I will say on that topic is that Eric and Fritz both spotted the exact same thing that Kim did in that second challenge with the trying to just mole a little bit. Eric obviously had a front row seat on it, Mm -hmm. but Fritz also spotted it from the bridge, and we did see that in the reunion. So they were both on Kim at exactly the same point. It took until episode five, I think it was, for for Sana to actually be on Kim's trail, I think. That was during the island, the island hopping challenge. Because Kim mulled a lot in that challenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so previously, the final four tried to get to Tokyo Tower and made Peter Yan proud for once before competing to puzzle their way to the final exemption of the game. Sana gave Kim a yoka after she was safe, but it was Eric who knew he was going home, and he was, leaving Kim, Fritz, and Sana as our final three. As you said, it is day 14, and they eulogize Eric again. Fritz says that he got a little emotional, and Sana knew that Eric would get the red screen as soon as Fritz got the green one. And I now have the note, it's an open secret at this point that Kim is the mole, isn't it? Like, they're not even being subtle with the edit of the episode, even though it's the cliffhanger of this episode that who out of Kim and Sana has been moling... The answer from the very beginning of this episode is that it is Kim. What's funny is that I remember there was a mole ORG. This would have been at least 10 years ago or so on game on the website GameFAQs where they used to have a popular reality TV forum. And they had a mole ORG on there. And once it got down to four, everyone knew who the mole was with such certainty. The mole just kind of said, yeah, I'm the mole. And the host is saying, was saying, this is the first season I've hosted where... The mole isn't even trying to hide that they're the mole at this point. <laughs> they're not even trying to deflect any suspicion at the last second. Because sometimes it works. Or rather, the contestants find a way to absorb suspicion at the last second, and it works. Celebrity Mole Yucatan's the prime example of that. I mean, it's pretty much what Kim says when she's describing her her strategy in the reunion, is that she wanted to be a quote-unquote candidate who was very fanatical, very competitive, and who also deliberately mould in front of people to attract suspicion, because that was a double bluff. Arguably, she probably played a little bit too hard at the start of the season, and got too much suspicion as a result of it. Yeah, she had Fritz and Eric on her because of that, and then she played a lot smarter after that. The only other person who came on to her was Sana. But as we said last episode, I don't think Kim deserves to be in the the lower tier of, of moles. I think people sleep a lot on how good Kim is during this season. Yeah, because you can't judge Mole off of the very first episode. That's still, you know, that's there's a learning curve to it. And then after that, she starts doing a lot better and plays off of people a lot more. Yeah. I know, I say this every season, we don't like to rank Moles apart from putting your own at the bottom, obviously. But I would say that Kim is definitely at least a mid-tier Mole. She is way better than people remember her being. But yeah, the first and final episodes are the only two times where she screwed up. And really in this last episode, it's not so much screwing up. It's just that San and Fritz very, very effectively neutralize her in both tasks that 
she even she does her best. I mean, jumping ahead to the ninja challenge, she intentionally gets tagged so that she's not eliminated from the game and tries to get tagged far away enough from the the prize money to try and lure Fritz away, but he doesn't fall for that temptation. He says, nah, I'm just going to do the rest of this challenge without Kim. I don't think she screwed up deliberately on the first episode. I just think she couldn't help herself. I think she saw her opportunity and thought, I'm going to just mess with Eric a little bit. And she misjudged Eric a little bit and essentially got caught red-handed. Yeah. I, I think the rest of the season, actually, she's been pretty subtle. And then at the end, it's tough when both people are 110% certain you're the mole. I will also say the Ninja Challenge is one of my favourites of the entire season, and I had forgotten how funny it is. And we were talking about this before we recorded, but when Sana gets shot during the challenge, she says, oh, Kim shot me. And I was thinking, well, Kim's really confirming she's the mole at this point, but you don't you don't think Sana was shot by Kim? Well, I think she probably was, but also I've rewatched that since we were discussing it, and the episode makes it look like Fritz does it. They sow a little bit of doubt with that scene, because I originally had it noted down that Fritz did it until Sana says, oh, Kim shot me. But they definitely portray it like it is Fritz who did it, rather than Kim. Yeah, in the reunion, I'm sure if it was actually Fritz who shot Sana, they would have pointed that out. But it had to have been Kim. Yeah, it's got to have been Kim. But they make it look like it was Fritz just to give us the last second doubt. Yeah, give the audience doubt. The players know who it is. So we cut back to Velsen in February 2010. Bear in mind that this episode aired on March 18th and the reunion already. Barbara thinks the mole is Sanna. She turned into a little boss and whatever she wanted during the season went. And she was also given the letter by old mole George. Tim thought about Eric a lot. That was his name. I, I completely forgot his name and I just put Sean William Scott because I genuinely could not remember his name because I always called him Sean William Scott. My favourite thing, and I know this is going to get back to Tim because he is being tagged in the banners that he featured in. My favourite thing is that Tim's suit is just ever so slightly too big for him. So it just looks like he's wearing his dad's clothes. Maybe he is. Yeah, given that Tim was about 24, 25 when he filmed this season, it does genuinely look like he's just wearing his father's suit to prom. And it made me laugh every time I saw him in the uh, in the finale on the reunion. But yeah, he thought about Eric a lot. A lot of things he did were suspicious, but then he saw a lot of things that Fritz did where he just deliberately missed things by seconds. He thinks Sana was the winner, Fritz was the mole, and Kim was the runner-up. Boy, oh boy, was he off. And this is why Tim went out second. Yeah. Manuel was in a duo with Kim. He looked her straight in the eyes, and she said she could be trusted. If it's her, he will lose all faith in humanity. He left suspecting Fritz and Eric. Fritz would be the ultimate mole as he's honest and sincere, sometimes maybe a little bit boring. If he's also the mole, that would be an amazing turn of events. Well, at least he wasn't in Japan, otherwise he would have committed seppuku at the end at the end of the reunion. Yeah, there was a real risk of Manuel being on Sudoku Watch. Yeah, it's like he was unwell with the food poisoning, and he was unwell with finding out Kim betrayed his faith in humanity. They wake on day 15 and get one minute to ask each other anything. What's your favourite colour? What would you have asked? Because I, <laughs> I feel like, given our history with interviews and stuff on this podcast, we wouldn't have asked any serious questions either of us, would we? It would have been, were you asked back for renaissance? What's your favourite kind of olive? 
Would you fight a thousand Peter Yan-sized carols or one carol-sized Peter Yan? Yeah. We wouldn't have had any serious questioning on this, would we? <laughs> if you were an ice cream flavor, what flavor would you be? <laughs> Can you imagine them having to ask each other that in a dead serious tone? Yeah. Hooks up to a lie detector. It was strawberry. No, shit, I didn't mean to say Neapolitan. So yeah, Sana wanted to be a candidate, as it seemed too difficult to be the mole. She says she wears her heart on her tongue. She also claims she is never mauled in any challenge, which is bullshit, Sana. And you know it. She doesn't, th- she doesn't think it'd be particularly tough to be the mole. And Kim asks if she's always so unstable, and she says she used her chaos to get her this far. I have a completely unrelated story to the mole that I think you will find hilarious. I don't know if you know what happened in Canada yesterday. Uh, I do not. So do you know you know the telecommunications company Rogers? Yeah, Rogers had an outage, didn't it? Yes, and it wasn't just any sort of outage. Every store uh, couldn't do debit. They could only, and a lot of them couldn't do debit or credit. They only accepted cash yesterday. Every every place in town, and most people had no access to their phones all day yesterday. Some people just got access again this morning. Uh, who are with Rogers. That means people couldn't call 911 yesterday if they were in trouble. And schools and libraries were affected. Uh, Door buzzers weren't working because of it, too. It was quite the nightmare for people who were with Rogers yesterday. And I thought you'd find that hilarious because that's the most Canadian thing to have happened, where a telecommunications company goes down and it impacts everything possible in Canada. It's like we were thrown back to the Stone Age yesterday. Yeah, and also having talked to Ryan a few weeks ago, you guys pay so much money for your phones anyway. Yes, because we have no competition. And in fact, the company that we've been with for a while plans to merge in with Rogers, but there are some delays and think, you know, the the merger will trigger too much of a monopoly. And I don't think that merger is going to go through anymore because that was a really, really big deal yesterday because a huge criticism in Canada is that there are very, very few telecommunications companies and that's why our phone bills are always so high. Yeah, because I mean, I've been, just to date it a little bit, my phone contract runs out next month and I've been shopping around this week and like refusing to pay as much as certain companies want to because... The network I'm with are getting rid of international roaming, which is really annoying because it's the main perk of being with them and the reason that I got you one of their sims when you were over here. So I've been trying to shop around to try and find anyone who does it, and they just want an extortionate amount of money, but you guys pay like at least twice what these companies wanted me to pay. Yeah. Easily. So, yeah. I might just have to suck it up and stay with them, much as I don't want to. So Fritz says that he doesn't find it difficult to lie, but it is a nice experience. He says lying in the forest was hard, though. The friendship with Eric was useful, as he wasn't the mole. They exchanged theories, but drew their own conclusions. He would have got to episode 10 no matter what, as Kim will see. And she says that it's exciting to know that. And Sana asks Fritz, who do you think is the mole? And then Fritz says, that's for me to know, and for you to find out. Uh, Peter Yan then meets them and asks for the smartest person of the three to come to him at Diver Park. Fritz makes the casting vote for that to be Sana. Kim and Fritz are left on Odaiba Beach, with all ten candidates' names written on it. Fritz wanted to break the women up, as they share information. And all I have to say is, unless they pick you, that was always going to happen, Fritz. Stop taking credit. 
Yeah. As much as I'm going to defend you in this episode, stop taking credit. They were always going to get split up here. Sana gets a spyglass and a walkie-talkie and is asked questions by Peter Yan. If she knows the answer, she can relay it to her teammates, and they will then cross out all the letters until they see the first letter of the correct answer. The first question is what the name of the Dutch trading post in Nagasaki was that has been there since 1859. Obviously, even though we've watched this season in the past six weeks, I have no bleeding clue what the answer to this was. I had no idea. We don't even find out the right answer. She guessed Dutch slope, as in Hollander slope, and they're asked to erase all letters until they see a D. And this is accompanied yet again this season by the music piece, The Unseen Boardroom. The next question is which tower is nine metres taller than its replica in Tokyo? Sana knows that it's the Eiffel Tower, so they have to erase up to the next E. Kim eventually says Sana didn't answer a single question correctly. She answered this one. You're wrong, Kim. Kim only doesn't know what questions Sana's answering correctly, because she's not hearing the questions unless Sana relays them. Question three is what sort of book Aryan bought in episode one. Fritz says Tanga, which as Sana knows, is a kind of brief. <laughs> yeah, she's like, Tanga, that's a type of song. I know Japanese can be into some kinky, kinky books. In kinky TV shows, but I don't think it's Tanga. Could it just have been that Fritz had seen a vending machine that had Tanga briefs in it and just committed it to memory? He's just like, I really need to go back there. I have some yen to spare, and I really just want the used Tangas. I'm sure there are lots of Tanga you can buy in Tokyo. They may have even gone to a Tanga bar. But he does eventually correct himself to Manga, which is the correct answer. (laughs) Yeah. Sana doesn't even jump it. She Sana waits for Fritz to correct himself and just say, "Ah, eh, let Fritz embarrass himself on Dutch TV for a bit." Could it just be that Fritz has spent so long around Eric that stimulating people has just become second nature <laughs> yeah. to him? <laughs> yeah. He's just immediately jumping to the idea of stimulating people and going, "Tangas, they stimulate people." Tangas more stimulating than any crappy manga I've read. Classic Fritz. Maybe that was when Aryan hid Fritz's suitcase. Maybe that's why Fritz was so upset. He's like, ah, my assortment of tangas. That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So question four is which type of Japanese art the samurai didn't practice. Kim actually got the question in the school and says it's origami, or papierkunst. Question five is what the website address led them to, and the answer is from Tokyo to Lisa, and Sana knows it. Question six is in which Japanese ceremony discussions about art are important. And Sana says tea ceremony, which is correct. Question seven is what the name of the traditional stew they had in Sendai was, and nobody knows. I don't even think they said it in the episode. I have no memory of it. They just say, uh, Suyuki? Sudoku? Sudoku, yeah. (laughs) Hokkaido? Fritz didn't care by this point, he was just distracted by the thought of Tanga briefs. Matsumoto? Kanezawa? Question 8 is what the English translation of karaoke is, which, as I said at the time, is a traditional pub quiz question. Fritz cockbox Kim and says that it's empty orchestra. Yeah, Kim tries to throw in a fake answer of music orchestra. Because remember, yeah, there's music orchestra and non-music orchestra. Yeah, I regularly go to the, the concerts featuring non-music orchestras. Just ends up being a, a logging event. Just people walking in a circle. And at this point, Fritz thinks that the phrase will end up being de Moltine. That translates to the Molten. And Kim thinks it translates to music orchestra. 
And the final question is which traditional warriors they will have to face later. The answer is, of course, ninjas. Ninjas? They're going to fight some ninjas? You a ninja? I had forgotten how good the ninja challenge is. Unsurprisingly, our banner for this episode does come from the ninja challenge. And Sana's eventual guess of Demolten is correct, and they earn 2,000 euros for the pot, with still the price of Fritz hanging over them. Kim says it's an advantage that she knows more about Sana than Fritz does in the end. And during this whole challenge, we got about four clips from the interrogation thrown in, which is really distracting during this challenge, because this challenge also has flashbacks to the challenges that the questions are asking about. Yeah, I must admit, I deliberately, after last episode, grouped them all together and just put them in the same bit. Yeah. We already struggle with linearity as it is on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. You've heard how many tangents we do. We need linear episodes. It doesn't work for us. So then, Peter Yan meets them that evening and tells them a lot of money can be found on the island behind him in Diver Park again. Up to 5,000 euros to be precise. Once it is dark, they will have to find the money under lanterns and bring it to the money box in the woods. However, there are ninjas who will try and catch them and try and steal their money. The hilarious thing about this is, of course, that the ninjas are completely unsubtle because they can't do any sort of ninja-style moves because they're wearing the laser vests. Yeah, they don't get to wear the most ideal camouflage for nighttime. No, they are still dressed as ninjas, and they're still doing all of their ninjury things. But the problem is that they keep having flashing lights on them because of the whole laser aspects of this. They obviously thought of this challenge, thought, what's the best way to do it? All the ninjas can catch them and tie them up, like lustily. Yeah, but how do we balance it for the contestants? Do you want to get the laser guns out again? It's another laser game. Because the thing is, the laser aspect of this is completely incongruous, apart from the fact that they need a way of stopping the ninjas. How many ninjas do you think there were? There were probably about ten, I think. I certainly don't think that they were eliminated eliminated when they got shot. I think they were probably put in timeout for five minutes or whatever. I think they were eliminated, because they only got rid of five ninjas. Yeah, I don't know. There may have only been about three or four at a time, because I don't think we saw more than about three or four at a time. So there may have only been about three or four, and one of them was just in timeout. Yeah, they just storm the basket all at the same time, tag all three of them simultaneously, challenge over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So each of them are wearing laser vests. The ninjas can be taken out of the game by the candidates, but all the ninjas can do is tag the candidates and tie them up in the forest. However, when we do see someone getting tied up, as you said, Kim does get herself caught, it is the most lacklustre tying up ever. And in fact, when she's talking to Fritz on the walkie-talkie, she's already got one hand untied. Yeah, I'm being tied up, Fritz. There's nothing I can do here, even though I have a hand that's completely free, and the rope feels very loose on my wrist. She just basically gets a new bracelet out of it. And then she says, I'm not tying you up, I'm just giving you a friendship bracelet. And I also love that this challenge has a slight bit of its mystique broken by the fact that they are doing this under a motorway. There are visible shots of a very large motorway in the background of a lot of these scenes. Yeah, what was the exact location for this challenge? Because it seemed like a very familiar landscape. It almost seemed like near the that one bridge that leads to the Saga arcades that I went to while in Tokyo. I believe it was Diber Park again. It was the same area as the, the first challenge of this episode. 
I think it was just one of the islands under the bridge. Spring up on the all. Oh yeah, I've definitely been there. Yeah, that is right near the. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, it is right near the Sag Arcade. I spent like the whole day around there because that's right near Rainbow Bridge and the the Statue of Liberty monument they have there. Yeah. Yeah, there are some right nerds on the internet who put together a map of all the locations of this season. And the problem is their map is a little bit broken, so it doesn't entirely work. So I've I've sort of used the context clues on that map to work out where it is, and I think it is Diver Park. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me. I was thinking, that looks like the area with the waterfront near Sega, and that's exactly where Diver Park is. So, yeah. And I was physically there, and I was thinking, that, that waterfront is very, very, very familiar. Yeah, so yeah, it's going to be right, yeah, the motorways, they're all around there. That's probably where it had to be. Yeah, I've said this a lot during this season, but I don't think you could do this challenge anywhere else in Japan. I don't think it'd work as well. No, because it's really cool scenery, really cool landscape to have it in. And also, you know, the ninjas scaring the living bejesus out of Sana will never, (laughs) ever stop being funny to me. So much screaming, she couldn't even guard the box anymore. She said, nope. Nope, I'm too scared. Someone has to swap in and guard the box. And then Kim says, I'll guard it. And then Fritz is saying, hmm, I don't know for how long I want that arrangement to be in place. All of the character development that Sana has had over the past few episodes, and Barbara saying that she's turned from a a girl into a woman, and Eric saying something very similar last episode, every single bit of that was undone by her screaming like she'd been sent out on the killer's game on Murder in Small Town X. The yeah. smallest bang, the smallest rustle from a ninja in this challenge, and Sana shat herself on camera. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the odds of something bad happening in Japan is very, very low. And I'm not trying to say that with pure irony, given what was in the headlines yesterday. Yeah, as I said to my brother, like, how on earth does someone build a gun? Yeah, I think that was the... So, to date ourselves while podcasting this... this We've already dated ourselves with the Rogers thing. Yeah, so yesterday is when the Prime Minister, the former Prime Minister of Japan, got assassinated. Yeah, Shinzo Abe. Yeah, and that was with the, the homemade gun. And I remember just first reading the article thinking, I've been to Japan, I know it's like 0.002% of the population even has possession of a gun. So... How, how you need a gun in order for someone to be shot <laughs> yeah it, it's six gun deaths a year on average in japan yeah i was reading the the, the gun number of gun incidents it's about the in 2019 there were 10 gun incidents for the whole year and eight out of ten were uh related to organized crime but unsurprisingly haven't been to at least a small bit of japan because i've been to okinawa it's pretty safe from from everything apart from organized crime it's definitely a safe fish country. Safe fish? Uh, it's probably the safest. No, Singapore. Well, safest in terms of for it being bigger than uh, 50 square miles. Yeah, Singapore, I think, is by default the most law-abiding place in the world. I don't know. I saw someone spit on the ground and I saw a bottle cap uh, in the grass. You saw someone with a jury in on the uh, MRT. <laughs> yeah. That was the biggest crime of all. So yeah, Sana just being terrified at even the prospects of ninjas delighted me in this challenge. This is an absolute tour de force from Sana. She's the only reason that this challenge is so entertaining, other than 
you know, Fritz cock-blocking Kim at the end. But Santa, when they collect the first thousand euros and then it gets stolen by a ninja and they realise that they probably can't stay together as a group, Santa is asked whether she's alright with staying by the box and she point-blank says no and the other two just go, oh, you'll be fine, we'll swap out later. Yeah, just stop your complaining, stop screaming. It's just so entertaining. I don't know if Kim was shot Sana to sabotage the challenge or, as Mr. Green would say in Clue, to stop her from screaming anymore. There are a lot of questions about this entire season that don't get answered in the reunion, and I tried to get the old version of the website to find out what the bonus clues were and stuff, and it wouldn't work. But there's so many questions. Like, I would love to know if Kim deliberately shot Sana here, or whether it actually was just an accident. Yeah, it had to be deliberate. I'm presuming it was deliberate, but I don't know for certain. Or I would love to know actually who would have gone home at Final Five if Aryan got that green screen, who actually went home. But they're never going to answer that question. It's 12 years ago. I like how they put the thousand euros in the box at first and then leave the box completely unintended at the start of the challenge and they go back and realize, hmm, I guess the that's why the ninjas are here to take away our money. Forgot about that part. Perhaps PTN literally telling us that the ninjas will try and steal the money may have been true. Maybe PCN actually tells us the truth occasionally. And after Sana gets shot, Fritz really, really steps up because then Kim, she's trying to find the best possible place for herself to get tagged so that Fritz gets away from all the money and the money box too so that they'll learn nothing for the challenge. And Fritz completely ignores her. He kills four ninjas, I think, or shoot, shoots four ninjas. He does not, he does not actually murder four ninjas during the filming of Vidim. And racks up 3,500 euros in the process. 3,050 it is, because the subtitle was actually wrong on that. It's 3,050. Oh, 3,050. Yeah, because Kim keeps going on the walkie-talkie saying, Fritz, you know, you gotta, aren't you going to rescue me? He says, oh yeah, sure, just give me, give me another minute. Just going to get some more money. Yeah, I'll come rescue you. I'll come rescue you. Oh, challenge is over. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't know we were out of time and just bagged over 3,000 euros out of a possible five. And by 20 seconds away from the end of the challenge, Kim is still going, come on, Fritz, you need to actually save me at some point. He's just like, yeah, nah, I'm motivated by money, sorry. It's not going to happen. This money's going to me. (laughs) Yeah, which is essentially what he said in episode six was, I am motivated by the money. I want to earn as much money as I can because I'm going to be the person who takes that money home and I'm earning me money, no one else. So it's, it's a lovely callback that we essentially see Fritz not only own this challenge by shooting so many of the ninjas and being such a crack shot, worryingly so, but then when Kim tries to do a big sabotage and a big obvious sabotage, especially at this point he knew who the mole was, it's wonderful to see him just go, you know what, mole? Nah, I'm not playing your game. I'm playing mine. He's saying, I'll I'll take on all of these ninjas single-handedly, which is a pretty badass thing to do on the mole. Yeah. I have obviously had a little bit of criticism with how Fritz has played this game, but this is an impressive performance. Yeah, and he overwrote all of Kim's wrong answers during the sand task too, and he was the one who figured out that the answer was going to be the mole 10. So really, this whole episode, actually for all three challenge, the third not really being a challenge, but the callback to the tea ceremony, 8,000 euros is earned over the two challenges in the tea ceremony, And Fritz single-handedly earned all of that. Yeah. I mean, just look at the stats. They earn 3,050 euros of 5,000 for the challenge. 
5,050 of 7,000 for this episode, and 18,950 of 68,700. They earn well over half of the money in the final three episodes, which is pretty much unheard of. And it was all Fritz, because Sana didn't really know too many answers for the sand task. Kim kept trying to disagree with Fritz. Sana, did she find any money during the ninja game? Because I remember before she went out, uh, Fritz found that 250 euro note. Yeah, Kim collects the first thousand, which is the stuff that gets stolen. So they want, So Fritz earned over 3,000 of the remaining 4,000 that was left out there. Yeah, so I don't think Santa picked up any money now. So Fritz, you could argue 100%, well, definitely with the tea ceremony, if if uh, Carol and Angela picked Kim as the mole, that's a lot of money being taken out of the pot at the end. So Fritz earned 3,000 euros that way just by himself. Fritz is genuinely impressive in this episode. As much as by the end of this episode I might be criticizing him ever so slightly because he he did bring some things on himself, I think, when it comes to the the exemption. He was a bit self-righteous. I can't fault him in this episode. Oh, and when they're talking about the ninja challenge afterwards after they earn all the money, everyone's reenactment of the ninjas is just hilarious, specifically Kim's face. Kim's face was so close to being our banner, but I just couldn't get a non-blurry shot of it. The banner for this episode is, of course, Sana being shit-scared in the woods. But I could only get better pictures of Sana being shit-scared than um, than Kim's ninja impression, as much as Kim's ninja impression was very close to being the banner. And then Sana's saying they'll have ninja dreams. So on day 16, it's time for the final test. 40 questions about the identity and actions of the mole throughout the season. Whoever knows the most will go home with the entire pot. And they do the final test at the same time, which is lovely. I know they did that for Vidim 22 this year, but that's that's a rarity. No strings attached for this final quiz, too. No, go down this hallway if you want to yoker on the final test, or go down here and solve this puzzle to add 3,000 euros into the pot. It's just a straight-up final three test. I know we're biased towards Belgium being awesome, but I really like it when everyone does the final test at the same time and they can not even psych each other out, but all experience this moment at the same time. It brings a sense of finality to it that they are all together for the final test and then they can celebrate reaching the end together. Yeah, and final sh- the final showdown together as well without anything like, oh, well, if the person didn't go for the money or the person took the wrong way around the castle, then who knows what would have happened or a final four at the end. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do really like the Georgia final test twist, because it does have that payoff at the end, but I like the fact that they can all do the final test together. So we don't hear any suspicions, but we do know that Kim is apparently on Sana, Sana is on Kim, and Fritz claims that he's torn between the two of them. And the best bits of the entirety of this final test is P.T. Yan just standing there awkwardly looking at them. Because it takes place by... I actually remembered it as a as a rooftop, but it's a harbour, this final test. And P.T. Yan's just kind of sat there with his arms crossed, waiting for them all to finish. And it's supremely awkward for him. So we then come back to Velson. Hint thinks that Santa's a mole and Barbara thinks that it's Kim. She thinks that Fritz won. And Hin doesn't even remember who Fritz is, which is delightful. Which is funny because no one really remembers who Hind is. She thinks that Sana is either winner or mole, not that she knows how the show works. Hind had some interesting words about Sana. And, and Kim as well. Very sexist remarks, actually. 
Because she says, Sana turned out to be not too bright and was very moody and emotional at times. Kim was often nervous, and Kim is too hysterical to to win this game. I was thinking, geez, if I had said that, yeah, that would have been a very, very sexist string of remarks that people would be... There would be receipts. There would be receipts for that down the road. I would have got a message off you tomorrow going... Yeah, can you delete that entire section where I called Kim hysterical, please? Yeah, where I called Kim hysterical and that Sana was not too bright and moody and emotional and Kim was also really nervous. Kim was nervous and a hysterical wreck. It's like, is this one of those like 18th century British novels or something? Is Hin just going to wait until uh, Kim walks through the room and slap her with a glove and say, wake up out of it, woman? <laughs> yeah. So Fritz then comes to meet PCM. He played very straightforward and set the group strategy, making a pact with Eric that was fruitful. Fritz is told that he will never forget this day in Tokyo, as he is the winner of the season. And that means the pot officially stands at 21,950 euros, or 71,700. I like how he says, you're the winner of 22,000 euros. Well, 21,950. They don't bump it up to 22,000. That 50 euro note is just left in Peter Yan's pocket. And that is roughly about 31% of the maximum. That's a pretty good percentage. 71,000 is actually quite low for um, for maximum amounts. It's roughly comparable to um, to Albania, actually. Albania was a similar maximum. Right. If Hind was the host, she would say, Oh, Fritz, congratulations, you won 21,950 euros. Son and Kim will bring them out. Neither of you have won the prize money, but one of you two will be an excellent housewife one day when either of you get married. And then she just walks over and taps him on the head. Yeah, good job. And then Kim and Sana appear hand in hand, one as mole and one as loser. Kim played very well, fanatically, gaining trust and showing leadership and attracting a loss of suspicion. A smart candidate will do that, but also a smart mole. Sana played an interesting game. She was unpredictable, emotional and sharp. One of them lost. One of them is a mole. V is the mole. And that is the end of episode 9. And I think, I think to be perfectly honest, we're going to rapidly skip through this reunion. <laughs> there really isn't a whole lot to say. So we flash back to Fritz being told he's won and Kim and Sana walking out. It's a very misty day in Velsen for the reunion. The first three appear and meet PC Anne, completely avoiding the red carpet that production have so lovingly laid out. Tim says that he was never a sushi man, but now he knows why, and it's not the same as being in Japan. Hint claims that she couldn't sleep for a month after she left. Barbara says that she walked away from the game, then found a taxi with her bag and hat in it, and two hours later she was back in Tokyo. And Loretta says her entire experience was Manuel, and that is why she went home. She didn't even know anyone else in the group. Hint was 100% sure that it was Fritz, so she wanted to test him on Chain Gang. If he took the exemption, he became her mole. Tim says that he was on Barbara when he left. Aryan put about 17 questions on Eric from episode 2 onwards, and the night before they left he had a vision that it was Eric. Barbara was on the same suspicion both times she went, and Aryan still didn't change his mind. He just thought, somehow, that Barbara had got the questions wrong. Yeah, Aryan... That's tunnel busy to an extreme... If your closest ally, who you know is on the same suspicion as you, goes home... Twice. Well, once, you change your suspicion. Twice, you're just a moron. And I say that loving Aryan. 
I, that's pretty much what they say to him because uh, it's Arya and Eric who have that initial conversation where he talks about the vision and putting 17 questions on Eric starting in episode two. And then Eric said, Barb left twice and you were still putting questions on me. And then even, even Barb makes fun of it, fun of him for it too. And he's like, well, I just thought my closest ally got most of those 17 questions wrong on Eric. And then I'm thinking, why align with somebody who you think is incapable of doing the quiz properly to get any proper information from? If you're Barbara, you've got to be pretty insulted at that. Yeah, it's like, why did I waste my time aligning with you then, Aryan? Aryan essentially said that he thought that she was an idiot. Yeah. Now Aryan's the is is the real idiot here. Why align with somebody who you don't trust to get information from? That's the whole point of a coalition. That's the dumbest strategy ever. I'm gonna get go into alliance with somebody. Really close. I'm not going to have any other allies. Oh, this is who you're going to put on for the quiz. Oh, you're gone? Oh, you're gone twice? Maybe you just didn't know how to answer those questions. I'm glad I made that alliance with you. So I could get all that information to know that I'm still right. It's also worth pointing out here that Aryan in his stupidity was still the first person ever to win the Slimst events in uh, the Netherlands. Well, in the new version. I guess because Kim wasn't involved. No. But yeah, Aryan in the the reboot from 2012 was the person who won. Do you know who the first person to win the Slimst events in uh, the Netherlands was? Your own? Yeah, it was your own. But yeah, I'm just I'm just so blown away that Aryan was in such a deep tunnel where he's like, yeah, I'm going get to get so much info from Barb. But if she goes home, I'm not going to trust any of that info. <laughs> the even better thing is that Iron was so good on De Slim's Demands that he was then invited to the Belgian version last year and came third. So he's a bright guy. It's just he really just got completely fooled by Kim all season long. Yeah, he's an incredibly bright guy. He just, you know, he just had massive amounts of tunnel visi. And that, that can happen to anybody. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious to see all of this fun stuff happen, but yeah. Aryan definitely got fooled by Kim here. I think Aryan being fooled so much is a great argument as to why Kim is such a good mole. Yeah, we get the brightest guy in the Benelux region of the world, and he couldn't have played this worse. No. And being armed with multiple yokers to guarantee his own safety. He couldn't have played it worse for seven episodes at a time. And then Peter Yan reveals that this came down to a tie between Sana and Fritz after 40 questions for the first time ever. Yeah. And Fritz won because he was 52 seconds faster. I mean, there's a delicious irony in Sana using time as an excuse as to why she paid a thousand euros out of the pot to not see her screen in, uh, in episode six. But... I know we've said this before, you should never determine the final test on time. Do it after three rounds like Belgium do, but you don't need to do it after one round. You had the time here. You could have then given them another ten questions and then another set of questions that were actually timed, but you don't need to even look at time on a final test immediately. Yeah, because Belgium only lets it come down to time on the second round of questions. Yeah. 
Okay, and I already don't like that. It's like you gotta you don't want you don't want the winner to be determined by the time factor. You want it to be known by whoever tracked the most actions the best at the end of the season. Yeah, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth to go, actually this was determined only because Sana is crap at a computer. Yeah. And the funny thing is I think she was didn't she make a comment about Fritz being too slow earlier in the season, like a couple episodes ago? I can't remember. Or she thought, oh, Arian is gone, so I'll be much faster. I'll be the fastest one at the quizzes compared to Fritz and Eric. And it's, nope, you were almost a full minute slower than Fritz. And really, 52 seconds might seem like a lot, but when there's 40 questions, that's barely a second per question. Yeah. That'd be what, 1.2 seconds per question slower than Fritz every time? 1.3. 1.3, yeah. And that could just be... They could have been equal and then say there was one question where Sana just stopped to think about it for an extra five seconds a couple of times, too. Yeah. But yeah, you, you're right. She did say that uh, last episode, and I'd completely forgotten about it. And that's how she loses the game. It's because Fritz is faster at a computer than her. The one plus I will say is that the editing on that is beautiful because it is peppered throughout the entire season that Sana is just terrified of losing tests on time, and Sana loses the final test because of time. At least the one good thing here is that the person who won this tiebreaker due to time was the person who was onto the mole much earlier than the person who lost. Yeah. I mean, it's rare that a mole has a coalition in a season, especially in Dutch mole, and that person doesn't win. Because the coalition here was Sana, and technically Aryan, but Aryan was never even in the running for it. Most of the time when you see the mole in a strong pair the other person in the pair, because they know the most about the mole, is the one who wins the season. This time, you have the the outsider, the person who was ostracized by the rest of the group, coming in and shocking everyone by going, actually, yeah, I knew it from Challenge 2. I was pretty confident. Maybe that can be the tiebreaker. Whoever puts down who the correct mole is on an earlier quiz, and stay, of course, is, stays on that same mole all the way to the end of the game, that person should win the tiebreaker rather than it come down to time. Yeah, I was going to say that would then lead it to people who love to game theory things and put a different mole down on every test just to, to try and claim that tiebreaker win. But then, but it only works, I would say, you can only do it that way, though, is if you put, say, if, say with this season, if Fritz had put a different who the mole was differently on episode 7, but Sana had been doing it since episode 5, Sana wins the tiebreaker. Even if Fritz had originally put Kim as the mole back during episode one. Yeah, you'd have to have another convoluted rule in that to make that work, I think. Or just go back to whatever the score was on the final four test. Do it on count back. But yeah, I just I just don't think it was... Uh, it's just not the best situation to have the 40 questions come down to time and that determines the winner of the season. Or if anything, say, well, you both tied for the first time ever. How about you both... You're both winners. Yeah, I I mean, for an anniversary season, it's pretty interesting that we do end up eventually getting a tie for the first time ever. I just think it's a bit of an anticlimax with um, with Pete and being able to tell Sana at the end, oh yeah, it actually just came down to time like you were worried about. Sorry about that. You also missed the um, the fact that Barbara claimed that she thought it was Kim from episode one, which, yeah, right, Barbara, whatever. After Kim was revealed to be the mole. Now, this is before 
This is when uh, when she was chatting to Hint. But she lost twice. Yeah, she said she now thinks it's Kim from episode one. Yeah, right. She says Sana is the winner and Manuel says Fritz. Hint is torn between the two women. Eric claims Sana took the exemption two seconds before him. And that isn't how we remember it either, Eric. I don't think it was that close. Yeah, did we get to see Eric's puzzle at the end? We didn't, but I don't think Eric was that close. Not a milli. He said a mil- he changed it from a second to a millisecond as well. Yeah, I, I think Eric was just trying to reassure himself because he was not that close. And apparently Kim was genuinely trying that challenge, but she just kept slipping and falling because she had bad shoes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because the mole wants to win that exemption because then they can guarantee a thousand euros comes out the pot. And she couldn't even, she was, her shoes were so bad, she couldn't even get to the puzzle before it was done. No, and more importantly, if the mole claims that exemption, it means that it is a fair fight in the end. Because what we had was probably the worst option where one person who was pretty confident it was the mole was safe, but also that person wasn't 100% confident and had only been on that mole for three episodes at that point. What was very interesting to note is when they talked about that final four round between Fritz and Eric, that Fritz, that Eric said it didn't come down to a tie. He went so fast that he genuinely screwed up on a question or two. Yeah, because that would have been interesting if if we'd had confirmation that that was time as well. But obviously it wasn't because Eric knew he'd screwed up. And then we get the most in-depth look at all of the most actions, even the ones that failed, because we were shown footage from 20 different challenges, which was nearly the whole catalog for this season. Yeah, there's only there's only about 25 challenges, I think, in the entire season. But the interesting thing is, and I don't know whether it was a, a response to Kim maybe not being as popular a mole as the rest of them, they showed a lot of the stuff that Kim was trying to do and a lot of things that she was very successful with. So it felt a little bit like character rehabilitation for me, where... Actually, we got a lot of Kim talking through her thought process, talking through the fact that at the start of the season, she knew she was going to play competitive, play rough, create trust, and start easy with them. We saw a lot of her thought process, and it felt much more than more recent reunions. It felt a lot more about them all this reunion, rather than the group as a whole. Well, we both know that Kim is viewed by the Dutch public as a bottom tier, if not the absolute worst mole, I think she's typically ranked as. Yeah, she went out really early in the um, in the subreddit poll. I can't remember exactly where she placed, but I know she was one of the very early boots. Yeah, so I bet you she already had this reputation by the time the reunion comes around. So I'm not surprised that they went through 20 challenges in a shorter reunion episode. So Kim was ranked 19th on the subreddit poll four months ago. So after after season 22 had finished. Yikes. That's pretty far down there. The very bottom one was Renee. Renee? Yeah, Renee. Renee was first boot. So of the ones that we have covered so far, Renee was 23rd, Rob was 21st, Kim was 19th, then Meryl was 16th, which I think is probably a bit high. The one that we're going to be talking about next is ranked 11th. Then Ava on ninth, Euro in eighth, Thomas seventh, and Jan first. Yeah, because a lot of those rankings are almost swapped with what we've been discussing. Yeah, I mean, we are quite biased in the fact that we really, really, really hate Euro on this podcast. So Euro would be twenty third for us. 
even though we've not seen all the seasons, you're only 23rd, because he is a bottom five mole worldwide. As I said earlier, we don't really rank moles on this podcast for obvious reasons, apart from putting your own last, but I would definitely say that Kim is probably a mid-tier mole, especially the ones I've seen. Jan is a great mole. Thomas is a great mole. I think seventh is probably a little bit low for Thomas. Everyone, it's weird, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, everyone is helped a lot by that opening twist, but also hampered a lot by that opening twist, because I think he felt a little bit bad that he cost them five grand immediately, and therefore stepped back a little bit. Yeah. Rob, we make no secret of the fact we love Rob on this podcast, so he would he would at least be somewhere around Kim, I think, for me. Uh, Renee, yeah, she is. she's a lower tier mole for me, but I wouldn't put her last, because that is where your own lives. Yeah, it's tough to rank Renee overall, especially because there is that really, really wonky uh, twist that we don't want to speak about again. <laughs> and also the fact that her her season was very much filmed under COVID provisions, whereas everyone's wasn't. Everyone's was pretty much normal. I think we only actually saw signs of masks about two or three times in that season. Yeah. Are we going to go through all 20? <laughs> we don't have to unless there's any interesting ones you want to talk about. Well, we've already discussed a lot of these in the What Did the Mole Do section. We knew about Kim obscuring the names and fooling around with the binoculars in the first challenge. Yeah, the the teapot one is interesting because I didn't realize how many people in this cast like tea. So actually that was a lot wiser than maybe we thought after watching episode one again. Yeah, and it backfired because Eric interrogates her and sees right through her here. This was the biggest mistake, Kim. Not necessarily a mistake mistake, but definitely just a just bad judgment here. The interesting one early on, I think, for me, is the Yakuza assignment with the laser game. Because nobody really listened to Peter Yan in that one. They were clearly told there was only one part, but the carousel distracted people, so she just went along with it. Yeah. Kim was great with diverting attention that way. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do as more. Yeah, and also, as we did kind of predict at the time, she did do something with the walkie-talkies, which is draw so much attention to Hints, which I felt so bad for Hint, because at this point, she's only about 24, 25, I think. She was a little bit bullied by Kim here. Yeah. Whenever Hint spoke, she held the button down on the walkie-talkie, and everyone thought it was suspicious that Hint just didn't speak. And Kim also, knowing that Kim was, or that Eric was onto her during the tram challenge, she used Eric's testing her as a way to, to get money out of the pot. I thought that was a pretty clever idea. If somebody knows you're the mole and has been onto you for a while, just knowing that they just want to constantly test and see what you do, just use it to your advantage to get money out of the pot. And by the time of the temple building challenge, which is where Santa started suspecting her, she tried her hardest as Eric was suspecting her. And she knew that their plan was so long that it would never come to fruition. Yeah, just keep talking, 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 throw everyone off. That was a good strategy. And then there were multiple challenges where she's frustrated that Fritz is the one who stopped her sabotage. So during the carry the bricks or whatever it was they were carrying, the sacks? Sandbags it was. Sandbags, yeah. That Fritz screwed that one up for her. She describes him at one point as a mole torture. Yeah, she. oh, he, he was the ultimate mole torture when there was the signs game, the, the game where we thought, oh, Aryan was brilliant for catching on to the signs, but it was actually Fritz who caught him to the first sign and got them the W there. The episode definitely portrayed it as Aryan, because Aryan was the first person we heard say, oh, what are these signs that we're walking past? 
Yeah, and Kim would have definitely gotten away with it, but Fritz knowing that, hmm, Kim's talking an awful lot, we're probably missing something, and that's why he was the one who saw the sign first, and then Kim lost all control of the group, and that's why that was their first good challenge performance in a long time. Do you think that Kim would be more popular as a mole if Fritz wasn't so successfully onto her? Do you think she was hampered by Fritz? Oh, definitely. She lost a lot of control, especially towards the end of the game. She wasn't able to do exactly what she wanted because Fritz was there. Yeah, I think she was very unfortunate that Fritz was so quickly onto her. Because I think she overplayed her hand a little bit in episode one accidentally, which then got Fritz and Eric onto her. Production obviously said to her, oh, there's two people already onto you, you need to be careful. And then I think that slightly hampered her in the same way that everyone got hampered by the actually losing them 5,000 euro thing. I think one defensive measure that Kim took knowing that Fritz was really getting in the way was because we had a lot of challenges where they were divided up in groups this season and Kim made sure to never be in the same until the final three where there's not much choice. She made sure to be stuck to Arian, Sana, and uh, Manuel. Those are the three that she was mainly with all season long. So she stayed away from Fritz as much as possible because she was also trying to get pinpointed as the mole during the tea ceremony with Carol and Angela, and then Fritz took that away from her as well. So that's why there's you know the challenge in the raft with Arian with being able to throw the coins and knowing, well, Fritz isn't anywhere near here. I mean, Arian's never going to suspect Kim, even if Kim said, I'm the mole, as she's throwing the coins. So I think that was a, that's a pretty brilliant defensive measure to just stay away from Fritz as much as possible so you can so you can sabotage. Yeah, I think I am more high on Kim than probably most people, as I'm assuming you probably are as well. I think if Fritz wasn't there, or if Fritz hadn't got onto her so quickly, and I'm not even including Eric in this, who was just as culpable and just as much of a threat, but Kim doesn't describe him as a mole torture. I think if less people had been onto her immediately, Kim probably would be more popular as a mole because she would have been able to do more things successfully. I would also like to point out one thing she played well was the suitcase challenge, making sure she got the empty suitcase to not only screw the money out of the pot, but to make sure she could pick Aryan to do the challenge with her and fail that challenge as well. That was a good setup. Yeah, because if Fritz had got that suitcase, Kim would have been sidelined. 100%. As much as he says, oh yeah, I would have sidelined Eric because I trust him. No, you wouldn't. As soon as you told there's an exemption in play, you would have stuck with the one person you trust. So Kim would have got sidelined there, so she couldn't have done any damage. And Arian gets absolutely humiliated during the dinner scene. Because they show the dinner scene where Arian says, yeah, my goal is to have me, you, and the mole in the final three. And then he says, and if either of us wins, that's a victory. And then they cut to Arian and he says, yeah, that's a low point in TV history. I even offered to share the money with her if either of us won. Yeah, poor Arian. I know we said in episode 7 that it was a bit of an Arian roast, but this is a real Arian roast, this episode. Yeah. Arian and him to get it far worse than anyone else. And nothing really else, nothing significant to point out. We get the hidden clues. We get some of the hidden clues. The hidden clues are so rubbish. Yeah. Just that she says sentences where the first letter of each of the three words spells out Kim. And I guess the cross in Japanese translates to the number 10. Yeah. And it being the 10th season of the mole, and Kim was the 10th mole. 
and then she word the word she used the word and because it looks like a plus sign or a cross she used the word plus a lot in her confessionals i mean i love beast of all but these clues are terrible like yeah. no no one is ever going to get these clues ever and the other clue that you haven't mentioned is the fact that in the driving school challenge, driving the green car was the mole. But that could be any challenge. <laughs> green, of course, being the colour that guarantees you're going to be safe every episode. As opposed to the red car, which is what you see when you're executed by the mole. So that was a really, really dumb clue. Yeah, it was a stupid clue. I know we say this a lot about more modern clues, but I'd forgotten how terrible the clues about Kim were. So Santa was convinced that it was Kim after the Island Challenge, but Fritz knew from episode one, and he receives his cold, hard cash from Peter Yan, and it is genuine Euro notes. And then they ask him, oh, when's the party, Fritz? Uh, maybe a barbecue instead. The fact that Peter Yan has to come to that reunion with a wadge of 50 Euro notes to hand over to Fritz, it just tickles me for some reason. Yeah, well, gotta keep that money dry. It's just brilliant. The other thing I wanted to mention as well is with the photo exhibit, Kim does explain the logic, which I did explain at the time with uh, with episode six, that you have to put yourself in the mole's shoes and pick the pictures that are taken from the mole's perspective. But Eric then gets a bit argue with um, with Peter Yan, and Peter Yan just turns around and says to him, well, you know the theme of the season. Nietzsche's Vothead likes, Eric. Nothing's what it seems. You need to think about these things. He's just so delightfully no-nonsense. Have I mentioned how much I love Peter Yan? <laughs> he just doesn't give a shit about these people. He's brilliant. So, what do you think of the season as a whole on your rewatch? It still it stands up really well today, and it's fun to pick it apart in a lot more in-depth way, too. Where you do see, oh, it wasn't the perfect season. It was a really good season, but we there are still things where you think, hmm, uh, I would have done that differently if I was a producer. Or just things that I remembered about the season going in and things that I had completely forgotten about. That's what surprised me too. I mean, I've always held Japan up as the gold standard of Vidim seasons because no Vidim season has ever used the location better, in my opinion. A good, I'd say, three quarters of the challenges in this season could never happen anywhere else, which is brilliant because it just it makes the location the 11th candidate here. In the same way that we... We love to talk about the location on Survivor being the 25th contestant or the 19th contestant or whatever. It has to be an integral part of the show, otherwise you could just do it on a soundstage, really. And no season has used their location better than Japan. It's not a perfect season. There is a fair bit of chaff in the cast. I would say you can pretty quickly skip to the final five apart from Tim, but I really love this season, and I love it just as much on a rewatch. And I think I have got much more of an appreciation for Kim on this rewatch and actually watching out for the stuff that she's done. Because this was my first ever Vidim season. When I discovered Vidim with subtitles, all those many moons ago with with Bother's Bar, I think it was before South Africa aired. So I'd watched Vidim Japan and then went into South Africa, and I was horrendously wrong. And if we ever do South Africa... We're not going to do you comparing your suspicions with me because I was so, so wrong on it. And it'll just be embarrassing for me. But, I mean, I love this as much as I did when I first watched it in probably 2012. And, yeah, this was a 
a great choice if I do say so myself. Just remind me that because for Vidim, that what what's their last three locations been? Czechia, Albania, and Italy. So I'm thinking they really need a really ins- a location that inspired them as much as Japan did, and have it also, of course, be outside of Europe. Yeah, it's uh, it's filming at the moment apparently. Do you know where? No, we just know that that Rick has been missing from his uh, his news program for a couple of weeks at this point. So it's heavily speculated to be uh, filming right now. Right. Um, do you think anyone from this season should have come back from Renaissance? And if so, who? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> should have been at least one of... Well, I guess what the rule for Renaissance was it couldn't be anybody from the final three? Yeah, I think it was all people who'd, people who'd all seen a red screen. So what would it be down to... Sean William Scott. Yeah, it, it would be Barbara, Tim, Loretta, Hint, Eric, Iron, and Manuel. Yeah, I think you'd have to pick Sean William Scott or Arian, I think. I think those are the two obvious choices. And I mean, who would I take out of the male cast of Renaissance? Hmm, I wonder. A couple of them. <laughs> Given that of the Renaissance male cast, you are. You have Tiho, who I really, 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 really hated in Hong Kong, Philippines. And spoilers, that's our next season. You'll hear how much I hated Tiko. You have your Rowan, who is the most forgettable returning on any season of any all-star program worldwide, and I will go to my dying day saying that. You have Horace, who you can definitely argue for, because he is the genesis of trust nobody. So it kind of works for him to come back. And also, he got three episodes in. It was interesting to see whether he'd make it any longer than that. Then you have Ron, who arguably is a massive fan favourite, so I can kind of see why they brought Ron back. Um, even though, you know, he was the first boot, and he did get executed twice, he probably had his time. And then you have Patrick, who you can definitely make an argument for. Patrick got very deep into the season, and Mexico is a very popular season. So you can definitely keep Patrick, you can definitely keep Horius. I can see why they picked Ron. The other two, not so much. They could easily have been replaced by Sean William Scott or or Arian. I don't think anyone actually liked Tico in Hong Kong Philippines. I certainly didn't, because he was a prick. But, I mean, Yoroin is so forgettable. Bring back the second boot from a very popular season, Japan, and let him humiliate himself again. Let him be so unbelievably wrong. That's all I want. And if they are casting another Renaissance season, which is rumoured in the next couple of years, I think, because I think they have said they might do it every five seasons now, their Renaissance-style season. Oh, because of a 25th anniversary. Definitely bring someone like Tim back and let him have his his redemption. Because I think Tim could have made a decent run at this show if he hadn't been so blind to Kim. And he's obviously a fan. Or he was, I'm not sure if he still is, but he was obviously a fan at the time. Definitely give him a chance. Arguably, with Aryan, you probably would have to pay him a fair bit of money now. But I think I think you could definitely get Tim. Yeah. Do you think that Fritz taking the exemption was a catalyst for the rest of the season? It definitely was the catalyst for how the rest of the cast perceived him for the rest of the season. It took them a few episodes to recover from that massive slump they go on after that challenge. I would say it's not till the final four that the group regroups together and can try and start earning money again. Do you think essentially opening Pandora's Fritz allowed everyone else to be too selfish in this season? 
Yeah, because even Sana starts doing things that no one expected Sana to do, which is why she ended up being suspected by quite a few of the eliminated contestants. And the other thing I've got noted down is, why has no one else used Japan as a location? We know that Belkia obviously would love to, but it's hella expensive. But I don't understand how no other version hasn't even been tempted by Japan. I think it is really just budget. It really is just that much more expensive than a lot of the other countries they uh, they film in. Maybe in terms of also getting incentives from the from the government too, because that's a that's a thing as well that foreign governments give kickbacks if you uh, film seasons there. Uh, of course, Japanese that's a big language barrier for a lot of reality shows that film in Europe and North America and Australia. And of course, Japan, it's not the easiest place to get to. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the quickest flight. I mean, it's easier than it was in 2009 when they filmed this season. Yeah, that's the only thing I can... I mean, at least Amazing Race has gone to Japan a lot. Yeah, it's a direct flight from the Netherlands now, for example. Maybe they should just use that again as the filming location next season, just go to Japan again. But I mean, I'd love to see Belgia do... Japan, I've made no secret of that, because I think they would have so much fun with their style of production there. Yeah, they, they, that's, well, that's the number one country on their hit list for where they want to go. Yeah, I'm just a little bit surprised that we haven't seen it even mentioned for any other versions. Well, at least Vidum did it once. And I'm very glad they did. And now we get to look towards another infamous season, shall we say which I've already mentioned in this episode, in that we are going to do Hong Kong Philippines next. We had our, our little discussion before uh, before we started recording, and Hong Kong Philippines is next on the list. I know nothing other than one person doesn't win. <laughs> yeah, Logan knows absolutely nothing apart from how much I hate Tico and the fact that Tico doesn't win. Everything else is is completely uncharted territory for Logan, which is delightful for me because I get to now spend the next nine episodes laughing in the background as you get, hopefully, completely on the wrong track. Either that, or after one episode, you'll pick who the mole is, and I'll be really fucked off like I was with Oregon. (laughs) And frantically texting Bindles, going, for God's sake, he's done it again. (laughs) But yeah, we get to do Hong Kong Philippines next, which I'm very excited, because it's a particularly fun season. It's the genesis of the Black Exemption. Both locations are very interesting because it's Hong Kong and then um, all around El Nido, I think it was, in the Philippines. It certainly ends in El Nido. It's the last season with Topitos. There is a Topito challenge definitely in there. There is a really, really unsubtle um, Survivor theme challenge, which is hilarious because half of the cast had been on Dutch Survivor at that point. And what I will say is that there is a connection to someone in this cast. And we have actually already in this season seen one person who's on the next season that we're covering. Interesting. And I'll warn you now, I am going to be asking you in the first Hong Kong Philippines episode whether you know who it is, whether you spotted it. So think about that now. Have you got anything else you want to say? Nope. Good. In that case, thank you very much for listening to our Vista Mall 2010 recaps, all very long season long. We'll be back very soon for Hong Kong Philippines. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are TV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at Logs of Quacky and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors, in which case you get all of the Historians episodes one week before their general release. 
Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles. We'll see you very soon for Hong Kong Philippines. Peace out and just chill till the next season.